The Pac-12 championship is all but here. What does Utah need to do to get another win against USC and go back to the Rose Bowl? Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you watch on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. I appreciate all of you out there who have done that and continue to support the show. I also appreciate my guy, JT Wistersill, host of Locked On Utes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts, whose stock, by the way, I would like to reiterate, I did not sell all season long. A lot Great of people decision. probably wrote them off, and I was like, mm, I don't know. Were you oh, one of those GameStop guys? <laughs> I was. Uh, I was just. I was just the guy who said, I think Utah is still a really good football team. But going into this game against USC, JT, you can point to a lot of keys, a, a, a number of them. For me, the biggest factor that will determine whether or not Utah can win this game is: Can you make Caleb Williams? uncomfortable notice i didn't say sack him yep i did not say you know stop him from making plays because he's going to do that he is an incredible player and if i had a vote he'd be the heisman trophy winner but you need to make him uncomfortable so that he's not making great plays over and over and over again I think the nice thing for Utah is, as opposed to the last time they faced off against the Trojans, is the interior pass rush has kind of started to come to life. Now, it's not necessarily that those guys are throwing dudes out of the way and getting sacks, although Samote Pep has done that a little bit. It's just hard to do it against an elite offensive line like the Trojans have. But I do think guys like Samote Pep, Aliki Vaimahi, Junior Tafuna, hasn't been as strong as we thought he'd be this year, but it feels like he's still due for a big game. Could be able to create that interior pressure that really collapses the pocket. And then you get the guys rushing from the outside, like Mahmoud Diabate, who is comfortable again rushing from the outside as all season they've been trying to just use him as an off-ball linebacker and he was recruited to florida because of what a good pass rusher he was and then he was just so athletic they moved him off ball there utah tried to do the same thing it didn't work out and across from diabate who has come on strong is gabe reed and gabe reed the stanford veteran coming in there so this utah defensive line is playing well now no jonah ellis who has been the team's him or Gabe Reed has probably been their best true pass rusher, but honestly, overall, I feel good about Utah's chances to contain Caleb Williams on a couple plays, which I think is the difference from last time. They're not going to do it the entire game, but I think there's going to be a couple times in this game where Utah gets off the field on third down because they're able to keep him inside the pocket, and that coverage is going to hold up downfield because what killed Utah last time, the very first snap of the game against the Trojans, Caleb had eight seconds in the pocket. Before just <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. I'm going to tuck and run, and even the ones other times, he has six seconds just to scramble around and buy time it's just too hard to cover for that much time so i really feel like utah is in a better position this game there was some clark phillips didn't play last week no one's really 100 sure what that's about everything i've heard is that he is going to play this week which is obviously huge when you're going against arguably the best receiving core in the country so i do feel like this utah defense is in a better place to not just contain caleb williams but really keep those receivers in check on the outside and not give up over 300 yards of offense in the first half now in the second half they only gave up 192 to usc so utah will definitely hope that second half defense which honestly their second half defense of the season is the one that shows up in vegas on friday night i'm glad you brought up the word contain caleb williams because i think the most important thing for utah is not necessarily to get him on the ground He's an impossible guy to tackle. In that USC-UCLA game, 
Laitu Latu, who is one of the most dynamic defensive players in the conference, probably in the country, who is an elite pass rusher, had a pretty clean look at Caleb Williams and couldn't get him on the ground. And I've watched Latu sack quarterbacks all season long. And when I watch that play happen, and, and then you look at all the other elusive moments Caleb Williams has, I just look at him and think, man, can you even sack that guy? He, he's so twitchy. He's so cerebral in the pocket. He knows where pressures are coming from. I mean, he's a Lincoln Riley quarterback. He's tremendously yeah. well coached on the offensive side of the ball. So he understands coverages. He understands blitzes and how he can, you know, escape in that sense. But the word contain, I think will be crucial, JT. I think if you're Utah, you are not necessarily trying to sack Caleb Williams. You are trying to just keep him in the pocket. He's capable of making plays from the pocket, but I think he's most comfortable and I think if you were to try and find a single weakness in his game, which is very hard to do, by yeah. the way, you would say sometimes he wants to get out of the pocket when he doesn't necessarily have to. And I think if that Utah defensive line rushes strictly to contain, you force him to do something more than he usually wants to do, which is just sit there and make throws from the pocket. It doesn't mean you'll keep him there the whole time because he's just faster and a better athlete than a lot of those guys and has great awareness and anticipation, he'll get out there. But if you're Utah, you have to limit that. And I think that's got to be the biggest defensive focus is rush with the intention of keeping him in the pocket. You're right, because what's going to happen is, let's say all those names I brought up, let's say Gabe Reed wins on one rep. He's the only one who wins. It's easy to get out of one sack in that kind of situation. That's why so often you see guys end up end with games with one and a half sacks because that half a sack they came in to combine on. It's just really hard when you're the only guy who gets through, especially against a guy like Caleb who can easily like, oh, well, the interior pressure's not in there, so I can step up and then squeeze out of a gap that's now formed because the edge rusher went so far upfield. That's what Caleb's made a living on all season, to your point. So, yeah, Utah really does have to do that, and it's going to get hard sometimes. I think there will be times where a Utah guy just goes like, oh, I got an advantage here, tries to make a play on him, and then whoopie got out of it. Because you can talk about it all week. You can drill it in guys' heads. But when the ball is snapped like that, and they think they have an opportunity to sack Caleb Williams as they get a good initial rush, especially off like a bull rush or something, they're going to go in and try to make that play. And that's where it's going to be tough because he's going to burn him sometimes. It'll be interesting to see if Utah can affect him. In the second half, they actually did a much better job of getting pressure, but that was mostly due to blitzing. And a lot of times those blitzers came untouched. There was one key moment where it was Travis Dye was in protection and Utah blitz Karen A. Reed, one of their inside linebackers, and he blew up Dye, and there was just nowhere for Williams to go on that one. And they ended up dropping him for a loss. So there are going to be opportunities to get after him, but more than likely it's going to come by blitz in five or six. You got to be careful about how frequently you do that, though, because as we've been talking about, he's a Heisman quarterback for a reason. So if he recognizes that, he's going to go, oh, I got one-on-one -on -one with Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, Rice. I mean, it's just an embarrassment of riches out there, too, who are maximized to their full potential by one of the best quarterbacks. So it's a tough ask for Utah, but I do feel like they're in a better position to do it than the last time we saw them face off against each other. From a schematic standpoint, and look, I'm not a coach or defensive coordinator. I'm just someone who's watched a lot of football in my days. If I'm Kyle Weddinghammer, defensive coordinator, Morgan Scally, I am saying you have to make him uncomfortable more than you need to avoid the big play. Because I think if you don't make him uncomfortable, he's going to create the big play. He's yep. that sort of player. I think they will take chances with five or six man pressures. I, mm -hmm. I, I think if you're Utah, you'd rather do that than sit in zone and let Caleb Williams pick you apart. Like yeah. 
these USC receivers, yeah, they're they're dangerous. But you got Clark Phillips back there. That's a mm-hmm. first team All Pac-12 performer. So at the very least, if you have him man mark on Jordan Addison, Addison's not going to go for 150 to 200. He might go for 75 to 100. But it's going to be a lot harder for him to do that. And, I mean, USC also has an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position. So that's another factor to consider. But you at least have one player who you feel like, I can put him in a one-on-one situation. And if he loses that 1v1, I'm going to throw up my hands and say, great play, because that's our best guy. The rest of the Utah DBs maybe a little bit more more iffy on that front. We'll get JT's thoughts on it after I tell you all about Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's got the line right now at USC minus three in this game, according to our good friends at BetOnline, which is, as always, where the game starts. So, JT, I, I trust Clark Phillips if I'm a Utah fan. No matter what, because he's really, really good. But there are so many dangerous weapons, whether it's Michael Jackson, Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, just a lot of wide receivers that have made plays this year for for USC. How do you feel about the rest of that Utah secondary going up against what is probably the best receiving core in the conference? I'm sure you'd have to put Washington up there as well. And Arizona, but I think if you're talking about depth, it's USC. It's a really tough matchup. How do they stack up? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. There's no receiving core I'd rather take. I know some of those Arizona numbers are what they are, but this is the group I want in the biggest game, and that's what the Trojans have at their disposal. Now, thankfully, if I had to pick a group in the Pac-12 to try to stop them, it would be this Utah defense that ranks first in most of the conference's major statistical categories. I Early on this season, I went back and forth. With I think I'd put Oregon State above them just a okay. little. I think the depth of that Beavers yeah, secondary is, is legit, but I agree Utah's right there as well. Yeah, right at the top. Um, but with this Utah defense, I just especially the secondary. I mean, I just look at what RJ Hubert and Cole Bishop have done all season. Cole's been great inside and outside the box. RJ early on the season, it seemed like he was on track to be one of the top guys in interceptions, missed some games with some injuries, but was leading this Utah team in tackles for a while. Still might be actually haven't checked in a little bit, but either way, you get two really strong safeties, and then you talk about the other guys outside of Clark, JT Broughton and Zamaya Vaughn, who are both really good two and three corners. Who look, there's gonna be a couple times a game where they might get beat this game. And why is that? Well, because there's really good players on the other side, too. Really good players to borderline great players are just going to make plays in games like this. You cannot hold those guys in check all game long. But the thing, once again, for Utah is they're not going to shut them out by any means, stretch of the imagination. You can't do that against Caleb Williams' offense. But with this group that Utah has in the secondary and with the plan of rushing the quarterback that they have, I really think that they can have success hold making Caleb hold the ball and just no one pops open and he just has to throw it away or tries to scramble and doesn't get a first this Utah defense will be able to get off the field and a lot of time it's going to be because of Vaughn and Broughton holding up against Williams Rice all those guys we talked about when they'll get matched up on Addison a couple times I'm sure too so I really and Morgan Scally too one of the best defensive coordinators in the conference he is lights out always comes up with a great game plan we know how much coach Whittingham puts emphasis on the defensive side of the ball too and it's a totally different defense than the first week against Florida where they had 28 missed tackles and even feels like a different defense than the last time the Trojans saw them. So it's a great opportunity for this Utah team. I really do feel like these DBs will be able to make some plays in the game that are going to give the Utes the opportunity to win this game. 
Let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. And last time these teams battled in Salt Lake City, it was a shootout. And it was one one heck of a football game. And yes. I, I hope we get that Friday night in, in Las Vegas as well. I feel like Cam Rising has kind of leveled out a little bit in terms of his play. You know, there was certainly an injury that's a, a component to that. But what are you feeling and what's the, the latest kind of on, on Cam Rising on on that particular front? Do you feel like he, you know, had the get right game he needed against Colorado to have the confidence there or do you feel like the ground game might have to be even more prevalent for, for the Utes on Friday night? Which is interesting because Utah is down Tavion Thomas in this one. Now, Jaquindon Jackson and Makai Bernard, Jalen Glover have all put in really strong games this season. But yeah. your biggest game like this, you wanted the guy who's your who's your excuse me program leader in rushing touchdowns in a single season. So it does hurt that Utah will be without him as he had a toe injury and not declared for the draft. Tavion did. But for Cam in this one, I mean, you look at his number against USC. He was 29 for 43, 415 yards, two touchdowns, and he had 60 rushing yards and three touchdowns on the ground, including that critical two-point conversion, which honestly, I think it was the hit he took on that two-point conversion. That really was the injury, it seems like, because he's always wearing the knee on that right knee, knee brace on the right knee. And that's the one that he took the hit on. He was still able to stay up and get into the end zone but that's where he took the hit just ever since then hasn't looked right we know he had the bye week but then missed washington state even it's arizona and stanford utah started out a little bit slow um we're not going to talk about the oregon game of that version of cam rising we saw there and yes he had a great get right game against colorado which is the definition of a get right rate game in the conference anytime you have colorado coming up at this point but I don't think we're going to see the same Cam rising, and I don't think he's uh, health-wise. Uh, let's go 85%. I think for him because it just—it's still weird to see him miss those uncharacteristic throws that he missed against an Oregon in some of those situations, and the coverage isn't going to be as bad as it was against some of those Colorado DBs. And his receivers are going to be able to make plays downfield. We also, of course, we know Dalton Kincaid, Thomas Yasmin will too, but it's not going to be to the same level as you do against the Buffs. So it really does feel like it's going to be more of a team Utah effort in this one. Last time it was Cam and Dalton putting the team on their back right with the offensive line doing a good job not allowing any sacks this time i feel like utah has to have a good rushing day on the ground i feel like if they rush for 100 over 150 yards in this one that's them playing their brand of football and i should say a true 150 yards not the trojans get up by two touchdowns and then utah is still running the ball late in the third quarter and it's like come on guys we got to go there's not a lot of time left in this one so it really does feel like it's going to be complimentary football where utah if they do rush it and only get a yard on first and ten I want them to throw it, but I definitely don't feel as good about it because of just the way we've seen Cam perform lately. He's still a really good quarterback and capable of making plays as he did on this stage last year, but he's definitely not the same runner that he was. He hasn't had nearly a similar rushing outing since he had against USC, but this is their season. So I think he's going to lay it all on the line and I expect a really good Cam rising game. I think he'll be closer to USC than he was against Oregon, but I definitely feel like it's going to be somewhere in between there. Why wouldn't be surprised if Cam threw a turnover threw a, interception in this game and one interception is fine but anything over two I think Utah's in a lot of trouble in this one yeah and that's been the formula for USC all season long Mm -hmm. they force multiple turnovers then they are going to probably win the game and the only game this year that they lost against Utah how many times did the U's give the ball away once even though it was in the red zone they were still able to win the game it's been a pretty simple formula to to play against USC if you give the ball away then their defense is you're playing to their strengths, right? I mean, every defense wants to take the ball away, but I think maybe a better way of putting it is you deprive yourself the chance to exploit the weakness of USC when you turn the ball over, which is their defense from a yardage and points perspective has not been very good this year. From a turnover perspective, they've been historically great. 
I, I haven't crunched the numbers about, you know, where they rent, but they're still right at or, or near the best team in the country when it comes to turnover margin. And part of that is they yeah. just don't give the ball away on offense too. And that makes it really, really hard to play against them. And Caleb Williams is a big part of that, but their defense just keeps forcing turnovers. And you look at some of these close games, you know, they picked off Jack Plummer uh, once or twice and had turnovers there in what was a one possession game against Oregon state. They had four turnovers of chance Nolan. If it's just two, Maybe they don't even win that game, and they're sitting here at ten and two. Of course, they're they're eleven and one, but it has been kind of feast or famine for that USC defense. But I want to go to the Utah running game here yep. because without Tavion Thomas, I've been really impressed with the other guys. Yeah, like I mean, I'm, I'm not saying running backs can't be important. Like you take Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA or Damian Martinez out of Oregon State, it's not the same offense. But with Utah at least with the personnel that they've got, I feel like those two have really picked up the slack and then some to where I I don't feel differently about Utah's ability to run the football, which is so quintessential to what they want to do on offense, because those guys have been kind of their own version of Tavion Thomas in a way. I think Jackson's a lot closer to him and Bernard is a little bit more distinct, but I look at their vision, their balance, acceleration, downhill running, their physical. They can make you miss in in space every now and then, but they are Utah running backs, and I think really, really effective ones. Do you feel like there could be a moment in the game, JT, where you go, man, I wish we had Tavion Thomas, or has their production been sufficient to say, look, I'd rather have Tavion than not, but I feel okay without him? If there's a third and one situation is where I'd really like a big, powerful back in Tavion Thomas, who is still the biggest back of this group. But I do feel good about the other guys. If you had told me coming in this year, Spencer, that you that Tavion Thomas would only rush for 687 yards and seven touchdowns going into the Pac-12 championship game, I'd have been like, well, we're probably not in the championship game. then. I mean, and you, <laughs> they want to include the fact that Brant Keithy missed the season. I'm like, yeah, this is it's not Utah's year. Then it's not the breaks they needed. But because other guys have stepped up in the passing game, a Devon Bailey being the key one, and especially on the ground with Mackay Bernard coming off his best game. And just what Jaquindon Jackson has done. Jaquindon Jackson, all the full story during fall camp was who's going to be the backup quarterback. Because that's what you do when you have 17 returning starters. There's not a lot to talk about. So Bryson Barnes, Utah's back, was able to beat out Jaquindon. Jaquindon had already redshirted, done all that. So he's like, I want to play. So one game, he's just in there on kickoff. And then against uh, Southern Utah, he came in late in the game. And they let him run the ball. And he had this 126-yard run. And it's just like, man, he's just so special with the ball in his hands. They need to revisit the Jaquindon Jackson package that they had last year. And they didn't decide to revisit that package. They decided just to help him turn him into a running back, a position he wants to stay at. And Look, Colorado's not good. We've talked about that a lot. It's still impressive to rush for 162 yards and three touchdowns against anyone. And that's what he was able to do this last weekend. So I really do like the way Jaquindon's coming on. Jalen Glover, the freshman running back, has been coming on really nicely. With the way Mackay played last week, I mean, he's such a good receiver out of the backfield, really good in pass protection, too, and just shifty in the open field, too. I feel like Jaquindon, Mackay, Jalen, they're all going to have moments to make big plays in this game. I think they'll have, they will do it, too, at a few times, too. I do think this Utah team, to your point earlier, you were talking about some of these USC numbers. They give up 142 yards on the ground. Utah should rush for over 150 yards in this game to me. Now, this USC defensive line is going to be extremely motivated, especially a guy like Thule, who didn't have a sack against Utah last game. And actually, I believe ended up leaving that game early. I think it was an injury, but it's, I'm spacing on it right now anyways. But this Utah offensive line, too, starting to play some of their better football of the season. They still have weaknesses on it, and I'm sure the Trojans will try to exploit that, especially after not getting a sack last time around there. But I do feel like this Utah offense can run the ball. If Utah wins the toss, I think they should take the ball. 
I think they should try to impose their will. I agree. I to- I totally agree. Make Caleb Williams sit there. Yep. Try to keep him off the field I, as long as can. Play with a lead, too, and that way every time he comes in, they feel like they have to play catch-up and go. They can't run their same offenses the same way as Utah is more comfortable when they establish the run. Coach Whittingham is a defensive-minded coach. He's always going to want to run the ball over everything. There was all this talk about this Utah offense being more explosive, and yeah, in terms of years past, I guess it's been more explosive, but you could still tell the clear mindset is we got to get the run game going coming into every single game, and if Utah can do that early and play in front, they fell behind 14 to nothing to USC last year. If that happens um, last Last uh, couple weeks ago, if that happens again, I'm really nervous because it's just hard to against a team that's currently the fourth best team in the nation right now in the driver's seat for a college football playoff spot. It's hard to erase two double touchdowns deficits in one season against them. And Utah cannot afford to start slow. It's one of the things that's plagued them all year long and even recently against Arizona Stanford. I don't think they've scored a touchdown on their first drive of the game since the Arizona State game, which was back in early September. So, yeah, it's, it's been an issue. Slow starts have, and you cannot afford to do that on this neutral field in the Pac-12 championship game. But like I said, I, I'm feeling good about this Utah running game, and I really think if they get the ball first, they're going to have a chance to play with a lead. It's why, I mean, you mentioned the line in this game. It favors USC. ESPN's prediction actually has Utah winning 61% to 38. So there's a lot of people who are feeling the Utes in this one still. That's interesting. That means the the computers like Utah, but the betting markets are maybe, maybe they're trying to lure people into betting USC. I don't know. I feel like the Trojans are just playing some red hot football it's hard hard to pick against them at, at this point in it's time it's not Oregon from last year for example no it is no it's not going to be like that so with with the running game i feel all right about the backs they have there but i want to go to the passing game because yeah. even if the utah defense plays well i don't think you're holding usc under 30 agree right like i mean if you held them to 28 that'd be nothing short of a minor miracle with the way that caleb williams is playing offensively so Let's say best case scenario for Utah is allowing 31 points, meaning you got to put up at least 35. You can do that with a balanced attack, but Cam Rising and Dalton Kincaid were were Batman and Robin out there in Salt Lake City in in uh, in October. So, what's the state of the Utah passing game right now? Like, is it in a place? Because I don't feel as strongly about it as I did earlier in the year. And maybe they'll be able to, you know, use Kincaid again. But like what what is the state of that passing game at at the moment? Because you're not going to score with USC if you can't throw the football for at least 250 to 300 yards. Well, the national voters for the best tight end award might have forgotten about Dalton Kincaid, but the Trojans somehow, some way they did. I know, I know, but the Trojans certainly haven't. He hit them for 217 yards, a touchdown, and I mean, he had 79 yards after contact too. So just incredible numbers in the game. On I believe it was only it was he was one reception away from setting a single game FBS record too. So he absolutely torched the Trojans last time around. And Dalton's also not as healthy coming into this one either. He's been battling some injuries. We saw him against Colorado did play a little bit, but it had a good game there too but like you talk about against Oregon he took some tough hits there and the one thing that Cam Rising cannot do in this game is he cannot lock in on Dalton Kincaid he had a horrible interception against Oregon where he just his other two interceptions were tipped balls good plays by the defensive line low throws by Cam it was a combination of things on those but there was one sequence where 
the Ducks sent a corner blitz off the edge, and Cam, and Cam just panicked, and he just threw it to Dalton. And there were two guys pretty much over Dalton, and one of them was able to e- easily pick him off. So if Cam gets panicked in this one, and he could face more pressure because he's not, I don't think he's going to be able to escape it as well as he did last time because he's not as healthy. Even if he's close to healthy, it's still not the same level, and it really shows up in his rushing numbers. So this Utah passing attack, but the other guys have started to come on, I should say, too. Devon Vailey has done some nice things, and he's a guy capable of making those plays on third down. It really feels like Solomon Enos is a guy who's been with this program a while. He's been very quiet. I just feel like he's due for one big play in this game. And maybe that's asking a lot because it's something we haven't seen this year. But we know Jalen Dixon, Money Parks have made memorable grabs. When Money Parks was the, his pass from pass he caught from camp, which he all did. It was like 50 yarder, I want to say, really was the first explosive play of the game and kind of brought that Utah offense back to life that led them on that tr- comeback against the Trojans the last time they played them. So I do not feel like this game can fall on Cam in the passing attack. But I absolutely think Cam in the passing attack can be one of the reasons Utah wins this game. And I even think it's one of those things where, look, Utah's not going to go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown this game. But I do think there is going to be quarters where they score multiple touchdowns. I think there's going to be quarters where they do struggle a little bit. But if their defense can hang in there, I still feel like they'll be able to make some plays because of the success that Dalton and some of these other guys have had on the season, making a couple of big-time plays and big-time moments. And it doesn't get any bigger than the Pac-12 championship game, at least for right now for Utah. All right, JT, moment of truth here on the show. And by the way, everybody listening or watching, we'll talk with Mark Culkin of Locked on USC on tomorrow's show, get the Trojan perspective going into this game and what they need to do. But sounds like you're uh, you're on the confidence side of things. You got a score prediction for me? I do have a score prediction for you. And mm. I'll say this. Oh, let's, you hear, let's hear um, it. Yeah, you mentioned that um, it is going to be extremely hard to hold this USC offense in check. I do think there's a world where Utah can hold them under 30, getting to the, getting them to that 28 mark just because of the plays. Got to run the football. If you're going to hold yep. them under 30, you got to yep. run the football. Got to start fast and run the football. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think you have to have six to seven minute touchdown drives if you're going to do that. Yep, that's I definitely agree. And I think this Utah team is capable of that. So in the end, I feel like Caleb Williams makes one mistake in this one. He hasn't made many all season. I think the Utes start hot. He presses later on in the game, and one interception is really the difference. And you know what? Just because I like being exact, Clark Phillips is going to get a pick six in this game. Why not? Let's do it. Really? Nearly had one against Oregon. He's tripped up by his shoelaces. He's going to make a huge play. Utah's best defensive player last year, Devin Lloyd, had a pick six in the Pac-12 championship game. Really helped shut the door on any I chance. Remember. I'm back. I know. You know. <laughs> but um, for, I, <laughs> I, watched, I watched it happen in front of my eyes. And let yeah. me tell you, I didn't forget it. <laughs> I really feel like Clark is going to make a play in this one. And look, maybe it won't go for six. Right. But I feel like someone on this secondary is going to get an interception. And you almost have to if you're going to win this one and keep this USC offense in check. I do not see this being another 40-point shootout. I think Utah's defense is better. We know USC's offense is better, so they're capable of getting there. But I do feel like the Utes do enough defensively. Cam makes some couple nice throws. The running game gets going for Utah. And they're able to pull off the win 36-32. Oh, boy. That's like a Colin Coward score prediction there. 36-32. He always comes up with the wackiest. Like, I'll take the Bills to win outright. 23 to 21 and a half. You know, something like that. But I almost went with 35-31. So I, was, I tried to go a little bit more on the even. <laughs> just like, just yeah. like a little bit a little bit above. Maybe there's some two-point conversions that are that are taking place in the game. Excited for it regardless. JT Wistersill is the host of Lockdown Utes on YouTube and we're ever you listen to your podcasts my man always good to talk to you best of luck on friday it's gonna be a stressful but a fun one can't wait to get it going spencer yes indeed and once again we'll be talking with mark colkin of locked on usc here tomorrow to talk about what the trojans can and need to do to get their revenge against the utes and get 
into the playoff. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Hopefully that's tomorrow. Hope until then you have a wonderful rest of your day.